Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Friday. Lots of reasons to be happy today. We've got some exciting stories to talk about with you today. Some exciting personal news. So let's make it personal. It's Freedom Family Friday. So that, you know what that means. My smoking hot, redheaded, libertarian, pregnant wife, Stephanie Peterson, joining us live. Hey, Steffi, looking good. Buenos dias. People listening this morning. Viva la libertad, carajo. We really need to learn more Spanish. Guess We're regretting not taking Spanish in school. We yeah. did French instead. Yeah, we learned how to make crepes, Suzette, but we did not learn how to speak Espanol. Un poquito. Un poquito. Hopefully, Spanish and French are pretty close. Yes. In terms of how the sentences are structured. Yes. So, so why, okay. why is it that we need to be learning how to speak Spanish, Stephanie? Because Argentina loves us and our afuera shoes. <laughs> And we're trying to communicate with the Argentine people. Uh, it has been an exciting night. We didn't get much sleep last night, Stephanie and I. We were kind of tossing and turning, woke up at 2 a.m. in the morning, and uh, we're on our phones because last night, Javier Malay, the president of Argentina, shared with his audience our political sneakers that we made for him, and they went viral. International sensation. Literally. We were even on the news in Argentina. We were on the news. We've got the clip. We'll be able to play that here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we were on the news in Argentina. Camelia was on the news yes. in Argentina. <laughs> I even retweeted her post about the shoes. Yeah, they uh, Javier uh, posted her tweet about the shoes. The news posted about our shoes and about Camelia. Um, and they even pronounced her name correctly, which made her very happy, which was nice. That sounds kind of like a Spanish name. Yes. Uh, we have a big thank you to say already to Levin214. He just donated $20. Thank oh you, gosh. Levin. You were starting those rings early, aren't you? You know what's coming. Uh, yeah, they know they want the bonus content today. Today this is... like a Pavlovian dog kind of response. I can tell you this. People um, are like, I want the doc, I well, want the doc. Well, he wants the Wake Up America show bonus content, I'm sure. But he also wants to celebrate the fact that you can now donate from Android phones. Yesterday, I saw, um, I'd say Robbie Thurman maybe said that yep. in the chat. Yep. Yes. Stephanie, uh, we have a request from the audience for, for you. If you would like to fulfill, it's up to you. So, uh, I know that you get a little nervous about personal stuff. Yeah. But she, it was Urge Mommy. She's saying, Stephanie, would you stand up? Because we want to see the baby. Sure, <laughs> today. So it's it's a little bit more flowy than normal. Let's so I, I look more pregnant than I really am. Let's see if we can see oh. uh, see the baby bump a little bit there. You're, there it is. Yes, the baby the baby is bumping. That's for sure. I am too. Like that. There it is. A little tough because it's so flowy, but we are definitely seeing baby bumpage here at AP for Liberty House. <laughs> Feel the baby. We haven't felt any kicking just yet, but uh, anyways, we're appreciating all of our listeners joining us live right now. Bruce Burt Whistle says uh ap for president and steffi for first lady baby p for vice president baby yeah. p baby p would do a lot better than what is happening right now so true not hard yeah that's time democrats right now all over the world be like <laughs> the wake up america show is on freedom family friday which means that not only is my my lovely wife here joining us live on the show but my brother justin peterson will be joining us today oh yes 
Uh, and uh, just a reminder for those who are curious, the Wake Up America show bonus content will be unlocked by the end of this show. Uh, if we raise at least $50 in Super Chats today by the end of the show, either in donations or if you want to buy a pair of our uh, international, internationally famous Javier Malay Afuera sneakers. You'll get to the $50 quick with those. Exactly. Then you can do so today. I mean, just think about it. Uh, people are going to be wearing these all over the world now. We've sold yes. so many of them. The one place we couldn't ship to was Argentina until about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, because we had a lot of people in Argentina being like, why can't we buy from there? You're Ever. helping our economy, blah, blah, blah. I we're like, OK, so I did everything I could this morning to, to make sure that we opened up the shipping lanes to Argentina. We can now ship to Argentina. Viva la libertad carajo. Javier himself will get a pair now. I hope so. That'd be great. I'd love to deliver a pair to him personally in Buenos Aires if we can visit later this year. Wouldn't so, that be exciting? So Argentina White House. Oh, there you go. The, Whatever that is. Yeah, the presidential palace, I think, is what they call that. But he doesn't live there. He lives in a very modest home, apparently, That's from what we understand. So we're obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about what happened last night and how Javier Malay is changing our lives. Uh, and making it more possible for us to spread the ideas of Javier Malay and economic freedom and personal liberty. We were contacted by a reporter last night in Argentina who is asking us, what's going on? Why did you make these shoes? Why do you like Javier Malay? And we're like, he's amazing. We love Javier Malay. Everybody's freaking out. They're panicking. They're like, why are these Yankee Americans loving Javier Malay so much? I'll explain in just a moment. <laughs> myself in their shoes because they're fascinated by how we're fascinated by their president. And I guess the same thing applies whenever we see somebody like in Germany, for instance, buying a Trump pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. We're like, why are they so fascinated with Trump over in Germany? That's True. bizarre. Good point. Well, there is a universality to what Javier Malay is saying. Here's how I explained it to the reporter. And I'll just read to you what I wrote to them. Um, I wrote to the reporter and I said, oh, looks like we have a new order. Somebody just bought a pair of shoes, I think. So that means that we unlocked the bonus diet. Tina? Uh, no, uh, Lee Summit, Missouri, actually. <laughs> That's funny. Lisa, we actually have sold a couple of pairs of shoes to people in Missouri. Wow. But here's what I said to the reporter last night when they asked why Malay. I said, Yankee Americans can see that there is something special about the message of Javier Malay. He is fighting for the same ideals that my country, the United States, was founded on. And he fights for them better than most American politicians do. His ideas are the ideas of individualism, capitalism, and freedom. When I saw that Donald Trump had sold sneakers, I believed Javier Malay deserved to have some too, and so I made them last week. Javier Malay is inspiring people like me and people around the world to fight back against socialism. His Austrian economic theories will liberate the poor from the old caste system and will make Argentina great again. We Yankees believe Argentina has the capacity to be wealthy, strong, and a great nation, as it once was in the early 1900s. For that to happen, though, Malay must be successful in passing his reforms. If he succeeds, Argentina will succeed, and he will blaze a trail for others, hopefully to follow his example. I'm doing all I can to support Javier Malay, and by extension, the Argentine people. I hope to travel there soon and to bring investments and capital to your country and build stronger relations between the United States and Argentina. I want to see your people be strong and free. That's why I made the shoes. Viva la libertad, carajo. Good. With your words. Thank you, wifey.
We appreciate you very much. This is how a libertarian society should be. That's correct. Voluntary. Their economy, they help ours. This is free trade. Well, and I'll tell you this. There were some people who were upset about the the location of the source because people were asking me, where do I source the sneakers that we print them? Uh, and, And they come from two different countries. They come from Germany and China. And I know we are getting some booze for that. Open and transparent about it. I mean, we got an email from somebody recently who was like, you lied to us. I bought these shoes. I had no idea they were from China. On our website, it literally says from China. Yes, we source the blanks from China and they are printed here in the United States if they come to the United States. But here's the thing. We are not going against our. We believe in the United States and we, we love America and we want the, the United States to prosper. But we are not um, we are not prohibitionists on trade. We are true libertarians. We believe in international free trade. We give you the transparency that you desire. If you choose not to purchase from our American business because we buy products from China in order to make money here in the United States, then that's your free choice, and we want you to be informed about that. But we believe in international free trade. That is a they, that is a part of our theories. And for those who disagree with us and choose to do business elsewhere, that is your right as a free person. We would never want to force you to do business with us, but we would ask you that you offer us the same freedom, that you do not force us not to do business with other people. We do not believe in protectionism. We believe in the liberalization of trade between nations, because as today's hero of liberty, Frederick Bastiat once said, where goods and services don't cross borders, armies will. I hope you all enjoy your bonus content for today that you've all unlocked. Enjoy today's hero of liberty, Frederick Bastiat. Bastiat, and why was he a hero of liberty? Claude Frédéric Bastiat was a pivotal French economist, writer, and legislator who fervently supported private property, free markets, and minimal government interference, believing in the free market's capacity to foster economic harmony. His writings largely focused on how a limited government should only exist to protect citizens' lives, liberties, and property, arguing against unnecessary governmental coercion unless it aimed at ensuring security and justice for all. Bastiat was significantly influenced by Adam Smith and French free market economists like Jean-Baptiste Say and François Quesnay, absorbing and advocating for concepts such as the dynamic nature of markets and the importance of subjective value theory. Orphaned at 10, Bastiat was raised by his grandparents. He left school at 17 to join the family business, witnessing firsthand the detrimental effects of protectionism on the economy. Inheriting his family estate allowed Bastiat to delve into intellectual pursuits and develop his ideas through extensive reading and debate, particularly with his neighbor and friend Felix Kudroy, whom he converted to classical liberalism. Bastiat's initial foray into publishing critiqued the hypocrisy of merchants seeking protectionism for themselves while advocating for free trade in agriculture, laying the groundwork for his advocacy for complete tariff abolition. His articles advocating for economic freedom and opposing taxes and trade restrictions garnered him national fame and established his position as a leading force in the free trade movement in France. Bastiat's friendship with Richard Cobden and involvement in the French Free Trade Association played a crucial role in reducing trade barriers in France, significantly influencing free trade movements across Europe. 
Contrasting with Karl Marx's ideas, Bastiat's works argued for the harmonious interests of capitalists and workers in a free society, emphasizing the mutual benefits of capital accumulation and voluntary exchange. His contributions to capital theory, subjective value theory, and the critique of governmental intervention highlighted the importance of consumer choice and the detrimental effects of state intervention on economic harmony. Bastiat's understanding of economics as the science of human action, focused on voluntary exchange and subjective value, laid the groundwork for later developments in Austrian economic theory. Through his critical examination of land rent and governmental plunder, Bastiat argued for the legitimacy of land rent and critiqued the state's role in disrupting market harmony by reallocating resources through coercion. Bastiat's legacy extends beyond pure economic theory to political economy, where he explored the dynamics of the state's interaction with the economy, striving to understand the motives and consequences of governmental action. Frederick Bastiat remains a monumental figure in economic and political thought, advocating for the principles of freedom, market harmony, and the limited role of government, principles that continue to resonate and influence today. Uh, uh, Is that the perfect segue or what? Talking about international free trade, Frederick Bastiat, whose whole political career was centered around that ideal. You're so sly. <laughs> that sounded like a real audience, by the way. I know, right? It's so awesome, though, to see these Heroes of Liberty series coming out and people getting an opportunity to learn from us about some of our favorite libertarian figures from economic history. And today's Hero of Liberty, Frederick Bastiat, I think was the best of all five of them. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I read the law many years ago. I know it was a pretty short book. If you if you're enjoying, you need to reread it. It is a good one. A lot of it. I love the very first quote in it, um, which is, it, "It how does it start?" It's um, I couldn't help you there. The law perverted, and the police powers of the state perverted along with it. Mm. That is the first sentence of the law. Yes. Nice to see everybody here this morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. CJ824 joining us live today. Nice to see you. So CJ, I was reading a comment from her on Rumble when, when they uh, clipped uh, when I was talking about Javier Malay last time. Yep. And Javier Malay actually posted that little snippet from the Wake Up America show. CJ is very popular so as well. CJ824 got a mention in that oh. clip. And so now she got retweeted by Javier Malay because when he posted a clip, I'm reading a comment from CJ824. So good morning, CJ. You're an international celebrity now, too. Aww, we can all lift each other up. That's how this works. I mean, I'm so excited to see people post the Javier merchandise that they're ordering, especially the Viva la Libertad Carajo necklace. I want to see that uh, well, on I somebody. Too. I do, too. <laughs> it's my personal favorite item. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> You know, we, we stand for the ideals of economic freedom and personal liberty. We started this little podcast as a way to grow a community of people who are interested in the same ideas that we are. And obviously, we want to see limited government in the United States, and we do believe in America first. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have peace, commerce, and honest trade with all nations and perhaps entangling alliances with Argentina. Only. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I always try to think of the next place that I want to visit. 
Before it was Germany. That was kind of our next place on our list that we wanted to go to. And now it's more and more Argentina. Yeah, we were looking at trips to Buenos Aires. Now, our friend Aaron Sepulveda, who has been a guest on this show a couple of times, uh, he has invited us to what is tentatively looking like a Bitcoin conference that might be occurring this, this December. Yeah. This December. That's right. And if that works out and we're able to go for that, that might make the most amount of sense. Now, obviously, we'd be towing a little baby around with us, right? But yeah, you know, they could get complicated. International travel with a baby, but you know what? We're going to do our best to make it happen. You know, We're talking about driving, maybe. <laughs> In July, we'll drive. Yeah, Stephanie, I had to give Stephanie a little geography lesson there. She's like, "Can you drive to Argentina from from the United States?" I'm like, "Yes, it is a long trip." I'm like. But do you remember why they had to build the Can the Panama Canal, Stephanie? It's because the there is a land bridge all the way from North America to South America. So, yes, you mentioned it's very safe. I feel like we would uh, run by some drug lords along the way. Yeah, and they would probably steal our truck. But uh, in fact, in Mexico, kill us too. Yeah, Canada for sure. Dogs. Yeah, and so baby. probably better to fly down yes. there, Buenos Aires. Uh, but uh, we hope to travel there. Uh, as soon as possible. I want to go and I want to bring some friends. I'd like to bring a group with us mm -hmm. uh, and we'd like to invest. We'd like to bring dollars. We'd like to bring, um, you know, I'd like to bring a pair of sneakers, the Afuera sneakers and deliver them to Javier Malay personally myself. <laughs> Throw Afuera merchandise out of a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. Just fly across sure, Buenos Aires. Sure. From cannons, you know. Uh, Tony Martinez offered very graciously the other day to, because uh, he's going to Argentina at the end of this month. It's That's now March. Um, he offered to bring the sneakers with him, but uh, I, I'm jealous. I want to bring them myself oh. to Javier. So, mm -hmm. so you want to have your special yes, moment? But that was nice of him to offer. I appreciate yep. that. And Tony okay. will Tony will uh, report live from Argentina uh -huh. for us when he Aww. travels there at the end of March. So he's so sweet. I know he's he's been he's been great at yes. helping us to dissect what's been happening. It's been fantastic. All of the people from Argentina who have reached out to us, you know, what was such an interesting little tw tw twist of the of fate was that before uh, Javier Malay was elected president of Argentina, I had been working with someone in Argentina on a new libertarian project that's coming out, I believe this year, which is the Adventures of Jonathan Gullible cartoon series. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to be cast in the lead role in a new cartoon series as the voice of the main character, Jonathan Gullible, which is a new sort of like the Tuttle Twins, but a cartoon for uh, for kids right. teaching them about economic theories. And so the Adventures of Jonathan Gullible will debut this year. Uh, and one of the leads on the project who I was working with is from Argentina, and he's a libertarian in Argentina. I guarantee Javier is going to be retweeting that. Oh, I hope so. But it's uh, it was it was such an interesting twist of fate because we had been having this business relationship, and he's a libertarian, yeah. and we're talking about politics, and then all of a sudden Javier Malay wins the election, and so I write back to my business partner, and I'm like. What what is going on down there? And he's like he's like I can't believe it. They've, the forces of heaven have won. Oh. All of a sudden, we're learning all of this Argentine slang, and we're learning about uh, what does it mean to be a neighborhood phenomenon, and you know barrioso, phenomenio uh, barrioso. I, I please forgive me. Sorry. Yeah, they phenomenon. these different uh, words, yeah, to like make fun of him too. They were making it was that they made fun of him for being he was just a neighborhood phenomenon. Right, right. Neighborhood you're phenomenon. nobody big. You're not a, you're not important. And now he, we know for sure, he is an international superstar, Javier Malay. Yes, yes. People, he's been 
there's a hunger for these ideas. There's a, it's, it, the thing about Javier Malay is he's fantastic. He's got a great personality and he does a great job at spreading these ideals and he's certainly a hero. But it's not Javier Malay that's lowering the, the cost or, or that is increasing the availability of rental units in Argentina. All Javier Malay is doing is getting the government out of the way. It's the marketplace that is increasing the rental supply. Because when they restrict the uh, amount of rent that you can charge for a rental property, the supply will be restricted. Javier Malay, in removing the, uh, the restrictions on what can be charged for rent, has increased the supply dramatically in Argentina. It's the free market that works. What Javier Malay is doing can be exported to anywhere in the world. All you need is that one single unifying thing in order for people to be more prosperous. And that is freedom. Can I get an amen? shouldn't put a minimum for wages. That's right. Tricks us. That's right. We don't believe in minimum wages. We don't believe in res- in uh, price gouging. Uh, we also don't believe in putting a maximum price on like water bottles, for example. Correct. For example, uh, you know, people call us heartless because of these kinds of policies, but it is the socialists who are heartless. It is the Democrats, the statists, the uh, the Christian Democrats, the the uh, international socialists, the the uh the left liberals the leftists the social justice warriors the woke um these are the people who do not care about the poor these are the people whose policies claim to help the poor but in actuality do the opposite it's such a shame that the laws of economics and things like supply and demand are so counterintuitive that it seems as if the idea is to help poor people well just have the government help people right just take the money from the rich people and give it to the poor people and therefore everyone will be better off. Right. I'm a good person because I think the government should help everybody. Right. And I can feel good about myself. People use, people mostly don't think their politics through. They feel their politics through. And this is a problem on left and right. It's not all, it's not just a problem uh, on the left. We also have right-wing anti-capitalists, people who reject the principles of free markets because it is it's like voodoo to them, right? And Trump did that a little bit with China, didn't he? Yes, Trump. Trump also rejects many of the of the most important principles of free market economics. Yes, because yes. because yes, because it's popular. It's popular to say, but but here's the problem, and this is a lesson. Since Donald Trump is going to be a two term president, and I will be voting for him at the caucus in Missouri here Go tomorrow. We are going to the caucus, uh, but. But Donald, here's a thing. Donald Trump is going to be a a, uh, non-consecutive term president like Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland was adamantly opposed to tariffs, and he was for free trade. And Grover Cleveland made tariffs uh, abolition into a populist measure because the truth of the matter is, is that a tariff is a tax just like anything else. Big corporations, international corporations, those that support the WEF, those, things like BlackRock, Vanguard, all of the, the all of these institutions that that uh, are in favor of diversity, equity, inclusion, environmental, social, governance standards—they don't like capitalism. They don't believe in libertarianism. It's a lie to say that they do. Uh, the World Economic Forum—they don't believe in that. They believe in Keynesianism. They call it the mixed market system or half socialism, half capitalism. But in reality, it becomes a a monster, a Quasimodo uh, of all of them, a hunchback 
uh, a, a monster uh, of socialism that like uh, that becomes what china is to a degree right where it it's they call it the mixed economy and it becomes a nightmare for the poor in these systems and for people like us who are small business owners the the international corporations don't like capitalism they don't want free trade they want tariffs they want protectionism why because it hurts people like us small so business owners the yes. walmarts of the world the walmarts of the world the amazons being number one the amazons of the world they the facebook's the metas they want protectionism. They want regulations because they know that people like Stephanie and I can't afford to pay the taxes in order to be able to, or, and we can't afford to pay anything other than minimum wage or what we're forced to do because of all of the regulations and restrictions that are aimed at people like us. Thank you to Mighty Megatron who just uh, gave us a tip. It's the comment that went along with it. He says BlackRock is behind the whole ESG and DEI pushed by companies like Disney and others. Completely true. Right. A big corporations don't like capitalism because that means competition. If I can sell sneakers and I can do it at a price that's competitive to Nike, don't you think Nike is going to go to the government or my congressman and say, hey, listen, we uh, we think that people who own, who own online businesses should have to pay a tariff or have to pay a tax. And we own an online business, too, and we'll gladly pay the tariff for the tax. But you don't want the, the you don't want people to be able to just have free trade willy-nilly with anybody, do you? Right? Obviously, that's not patriotic. Where's my evil laugh button? There it is. Twisting <laughs> of the mustache, right? So, so I mean, it's, it's hard, though, because I got to admit, I buy a lot from Amazon. I buy a lot from Walmart. So it's like I'm part of the problem, unfortunately. But it's it's hard because it's like we only make so much money and we can only afford so much. So it's like I can't afford to shop at the little mom and pop shop that would charge me, you know, like five dollars for a gallon of milk rather than three dollars at Walmart. Now, look at Liz. She has an interesting question, which I think yeah. deserves to be answered. She says, would you trade with a neighbor who had slave labor and would not let workers leave his property? The answer is no, I would not trade with a neighbor who had slave labor. But there's a difference between what people call slave labor and slave wages. See, the, the thing that people don't understand about capitalism is that it's not a miracle revolution overnight where you go from living in caves and, you know, smashing, you know, your neighbor's heads in with a bone uh, to, you know, 2000 foot tall skyscrapers or what have you. It, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time for capitalist economies to develop. The United States didn't develop overnight. Our, our working conditions only improved as a matter of bibs and bobs, of steps and steps. It wasn't uh, overnight that the United States all of a sudden just turned it on and we were had nuclear fusion. Um, the Chinese, who aren't slaves, and yes, some of them are slaves, and that is, a, that is an entirely different question from those who are being properly paid. But the people in China who work in factories, the conditions of those factories may be deplorable. But ask yourself if you would rather be out in a field hunched over picking rice and if those conditions might be even more deplorable. So if there is an improvement in standards, in living standards, and if they're receiving a higher wage at a factory than they were picking rice in the field, then that is an improvement that should be celebrated. And China isn't going to go from zero to 100 in the dark ages. This is not Stalinist Russia, where a five-year plan will all of a sudden turn your Potemkin village into a real village. 
That's not how capitalism operates. It's unrealistic to have that kind of an expectation. And it's a socialist lie that you can turn it around and all of a sudden pay everyone a completely fair and decent wage and have the kinds of standards that we have here in the United States because they have not had the time to create a developed economy as the United States has. Can I get an amen from the capitalists in the chat? It is an ethical question because I know people at the workers camps in China, they do make, I remember seeing a documentary about it, they do make like stuffed animals and toys and all sorts of things. And the thing is, we really don't know what these places look like that are providing goods to us. We don't know if they're workers camps Mm -hmm. and not paying their employees. So it's kind of like a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy where we just like have no clue. There's no transparency there. Right. So uh, there is some transparency, for example. So some of the the corporations that we we can find out were using slave labor. Uh, and there are already laws that prevent us from doing business with those known companies and corporations, but some of them do slip products by. So if you buy certain products from Amazon, it may, it, you know, if you go to the dollar store, for example, remember when Tucker Carlson was complaining about all the dollar generals and the dollar stores? Mm-hmm. It's a shame because the, the, the truth is, is that poor people in China are helping poor people in the United States and, yes. and rich people in the United States don't like that. Right. Because rich people in the United States who think they know better than for the poor will say, well, let me just go to the government and help the poor people by preventing them from being able to buy cheap products from China at the Dollar General. Because I don't shop at Dollar General Mm -hmm. because I'm wealthy, but and I know better for the poor people. So they should not be able to go and buy cheap spatulas from China at this Dollar General because I'm a I'm a rich snob asshole. And I will tell the government to go and fix them. It's kind of like the, how the left has this view of 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 healthcare, where it's like, you know, the Good Samaritan story in the Bible is that the Samaritan walks along the road and finds the man who has been beaten and is ill. Uh, he helps him directly. But the socialist, the leftist says, um, stop right there. You're going to be OK. I'm going to go get the government to write a law to help you. Right. That's right. That's why you have to teach a man to fish rather than give him fish. Mm-hmm. Give him those skills so he can support himself. It's mm-hmm. so, a good question of should it be legal to trade with people who use slave labor? I mean, like, do you think that's okay? Or child labor, even? You know, if there's like little five year olds in factories making our products. Should it be legal for us maybe. to import maybe. these goods? Maybe. Based on our ethical standards here in America, because we're not cool with that. Maybe, maybe not. We believe as libertarians or minarchists, we're minarchists, mm. right. in protecting children. Mm-hmm. And so if we truly believe in that value, then we should believe in it even internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, you know, I'm getting deep here. No, 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 to think about ethics. It's a good question. Uh, Bob of Atlantis says trading with China over a bit of protectionism also hurts the potential American worker. Their low, non-existent workers' rights hurt all workers. Um, see, I would disagree with that, Bob. My argument is that there uh, should not be a minimum wage and that we should deregulate the labor market. My argument is that it's the government and the regulations that are making it harder for us to do business here in the United States. Here's the problem. If I were to try and source blank shoes from here in the United States, no one would be able to afford to purchase my shoes. I couldn't do business here in the United States. I couldn't raise an American family uh, and do business because the amount of regulations that prevent me from being able to reliably and sustainably source them. If you want to buy 
$300 shoes, Javier Malaya Fuera sneakers, and then one rich person can afford to buy them, perhaps, then you, yes, source, source it from American places to give an American a job. But it's not my fault that the government places so many taxes and regulations and restrictions. By the, and when it comes to the profitability, if you've never been in sales before, by the time we actually get the profit, like we start with a margin, a profit margin, we have to pay a credit card transaction fee. Mm -hmm. We have to pay a platform fee to Shopify. So we've got to play. Uh, we've got to pay. Uh, a we pay shipping fees for everybody. We pay. We pay the shipping. We make our shipping free. Right, and then we there's a tax on there's a tax on shipping. So there's a tax on. Uh, then there's a tax on the sale, which we collect from the customer. Now we pass that cost on to the customer. Um, but then we get a tax on the, uh, on what's left over. Did you say sales taxes too? The sales tax is charged to the customer. Okay. Yes. Uh, which is what we do. Listen, every business, uh, passes taxes onto the customer. So every time the government raises taxes, who's paying the taxes? You and me, the consumer, the people who buy it, right? The, so you're, we're paying the cost of these regulations. So every time you say, well, the Chinese, they don't have the regulations for their workers. I wish the United States would deregulate the labor economy here in the United States. I wish the United States would abolish the minimum wage because that's, that's how we would actually bring down the cost of goods and services here in the United States. Listen, there are jobs in the United States that are worth $5 an hour, okay? So then you'd have to bring the migrants in because nobody is willing to work for that's, $5 an hour, and then you got the whole problem. That's, over yeah, you create the incentive for illegal immigration and for paying people under the table because, let's be honest, flipping burgers and, and frying french fries is not really a $15 an hour job. And now you see, when you, if you've ever go to McDonald's, which some of you I know you don't, but the, if you're seeing how much it costs for a value meal, $13, $15, in some places I saw it was like $17 at a McDonald's in Connecticut, I believe. Yeah. It's minimum. It said fourteen dollars, I believe. I saw. So jobs aren't worth that much money. I'm sorry, millennials, Zoomers, you know, crying about you're not able to make a living and stuff like that. It is the government's fault. It's not capitalism's fault that you that you're not able to make a living what you have right now. It is inflationary crisis that comes from the money printers at the Federal Reserve and the evil central banks and the uh, the the socialistic policies of regulations and minimum wages that har that harms the American working man far more than you know unions and laborers coming into trying to trying to negotiate on behalf of the worker when really they're doing it for the union bosses and for themselves and they screw all the rest of us um if you're just tuning into the wake up america show good morning i'm austin peterson <laughs> hola Hola, uh, hola, mi amigos. Um, we'd love to have you click that like button and subscribe to the channel. It looks like we got a rant. Did somebody send us something? Yeah, uh, Liz said slaves by proxy. I don't know what she means by that. Uh, Mighty Megatron oh. says flipping burgers is for high school kids and people out of jail. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say when I, we did watch a video about working at McDonald's, like a day in the life, and mm. it is hard. You have to multitask like no other. I mean, I think if all of us just Worked at McDonald's for one day. We we'd be tired. But we look, really would. Okay, but here's the thing. So in in a, in a I'm not saying you're a Marxist here, but in a way you're <laughs> you're you're justifying the labor theory of value to an extent because here's the problem. Just because you work hard doesn't mean your labor is valuable. I know. Guess what? No. Guess what? You can work as hard as you like, dig in a hole in the ground, and you will have worked very hard at the end of the day. 
but your labor is only worth what someone is willing to pay it's for it. It's about skill. Yes. I mean, anybody can flip a burger, but not anybody can be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, you can be extremely valuable. At, at, at You can even be extremely skilled. Mm-hmm. You can have incredible talents at, at flipping burgers, but your incredible talents and your skill is only worth what people are willing to pay for, right? Only worth what people are willing to pay for it. And and if no one is willing to pay for it, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all that matters is what someone is. It's called um, the relative theory. There's an economic theory about this. It's the diamond and the the water experiment. Uh, um, And it is all, all value is relative. If you're in a, uh, if you are here in Jefferson City, Missouri, Says right about this in human action. Yes. If you're in if you're in Jefferson City, Missouri, and we have a gigantic diamond, perfect diamond, mm-hmm. uh, then that's very valuable. If we have a, a cup of water, the cup of water is really not all that valuable. But if we're in the Sahara Desert or the Gobi Desert or in the American Southwest and we have a diamond and we're out in the desert and we have a cup of water, which one's more valuable? It's a subjective theory of value. And this is one of the key discoveries of the Austrian economists. And it has upended Karl Marx's labor theory of value, which was to argue that something is valuable based on how much work goes into it. Right. Karl Marx believed that gold was valuable because it took a lot of work to bring it out of the ground. And so that's, that was his, his economic basis. Which was a huge, ray incomplete theory. That's why I don't feel bad for female athletes. It, they don't deserve more money. Wait, 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 wait. Playboy magazine. Yeah, you. That's why, you know, Playboy is more valuable than female athletes. Why do you not feel bad for female athletes? Explain. Because people clearly don't value watching them as much as they value watching male athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're willing to pay thousands of dollars literally to go to the super bowl but no female athletic team that i've seen has gone to a super bowl before i don't think people pay thousands of dollars to see them i don't know why it is because you and i talk all the time that women are more successful than men in which way uh in terms of well in business yeah, in business, I mean, like as influencers, women are making a lot well, more. Because they're more valued as well, influencers. Here's the thing: the female body is the most valuable thing in the world, right? Right. The female body is the most coveted commodity in the world, and it is often bought and sold, not mm-hmm. just in in perfectly legal ways, but also in perfectly illegal ways. Right. Human and trafficking. Ways. Yes, human trafficking. So, yeah, it's like exactly. the bodies are shown when we're playing sports. So why aren't people willing to pay money to see us play sports? Well, without being to watch sweaty men play sports. Well, here's the thing, men, because here, let me, well, let me. <laughs> how do I put this kindly? Yeah, why are men so valuable when they're playing football? Well, because men can accomplish incredible feats of skill. They can jump far higher. They can lift much more. They're, so their skill well, yes, is higher. If, yes, if I had okay. a choice to watch women play American football or American, you know, or um, uh, American soccer mm-hmm. versus watching women playing beach volleyball, which one do you think I'm going to want to watch? No, you want to play beach, uh, watch beach volleyball. Yes. Why do I want to watch 
Beach volleyball versus ladies playing American soccer. Because the bodies are showing. Exactly. And there's the there's the rub. And the women who play beach volleyball tend to have different bodies than the women who play soccer, right? Right. right. But, I, but I still would rather, if, if I'm going to have you know choice to watch beach volleyball with a girl, I might as well just go to, you know, the website where I can see what I want to see anyway, right. you know, you know, if I happen to catch a women's volleyball game, ooh la la, va va voom, you know, like te amo, great. But the problem is, is that it's really not all that impressive. The men's games are still even more impressive. Now, I'd rather watch a female volleyball. I'd rather watch a female volleyball game than a men's volleyball game because I'm not gay. But at the end of the day, if you're talking about women's sports versus men's sports, men can accomplish far more incredible feats of athleticism than women can. And that's just a biological fact. The only thing I can think of where people pay really good money to watch women is in tennis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The U.S. Open. We're getting some incredible super chats and donations. Oh, we really? thank you. Yeah, thank you. Look at Liz. About women. And well, sports. yeah, they're they're into this conversation apparently. Uh, don't forget to uh, guys click like. Pearly things because she's she's a female volleyball yeah, player. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, boom, base Steffi says mighty Megatron. Oh. He says, uh, like the WNBA or the Lesbian Dating League, it's never made money on its own since day one. It pulls money from the men's side. Why? Because they're stunning and brave. <laughs> There's a Lesbian Dating League? Either he's kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Although that would be something to watch. Uh, Matt Unruh says, thank you for the economic theory discussion today. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate that. You're doing well. Levin, You're expecting your little one very soon. Levin214 says, food service in general is hard. You really have to love what you do. Very true. Mm-hmm. And look at Liz is calling us out, which I will still read. She says, you use their slaves to make money. Slaves by no. proxy. And, uh, no. I certainly do feel conflicted about this, especially because I was a ver- vegetarian once. And I thought a lot about the ethical treatment of animals at the factories. It was like, I feel better buying animals from local farms Mm -hmm. where the animals are treated better rather than buying them from Tyson, for example, where they're not treated as humanely. So the same applies to people. I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather buy from a place where people are treated better. I'm going to tell you something. First of all, anybody who is upset about this and is typing on it on Rumble right now is a big fat hypocrite. And I'll tell you why, because everybody who is watching and listening to this show right now is listening to it through a product that was made in China. So uh, what was the quote from um, uh, that Jesus said in the Bible? I know you're Jewish, so you wouldn't know this one, but maybe you should clear the moat, the beam, remove the beam from your own eye before you remove the speck of dust in your neighbor's eye. I'll tell you why I don't lose sleep over this, uh, Stephanie, because everybody who's using a computer again right now is contributing to that same problem that they claim to exist. So if you would stop using a computer uh, and send me a telegram, perhaps uh, your uh, your outrage, I might feel a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah. But uh, on a bigger level, the people like Apple, the people who own the major corporations, they would they they definitely want all of us little people to commit to protectionism and to tariffs. And to and to commit to regulations and socialism because pay because thousands of dollars for a phone. Yeah, they want they want the, of course they want that they want us all to commit to the government program and to the socialism and the statism because the fact of the matter is is they'll never commit to it they'll never they'll never obey the rules the rules that you want to place on all of us the little guys right guess where this shirt came from Stephanie. Um. Oh, Timu. Timu. <laughs> the Chinese company. I'm a hypocrite, right? You're all hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. At Walmart, you're a hypocrite. You, you, should, you, you shouldn't be shopping at Walmart. You shouldn't be on your phones right now. 
you shouldn't be you shouldn't be talking to us on rumble.com a platform that probably uses some servers that are manufactured in china you should not be using those platforms if you truly believe in that because i'll tell you what i am not going to commit myself to a life of poverty while the globalist elites who are pushing international socialism will take advantage of their market system that they have set up and stacked the deck against people like ourselves and I will not lose one iota of sleep for participating in a system that I'm forced to participate in that I have had no hand in shaping. Okay, so I will not commit to committing my family to a lifestyle of poverty so that I can feel morally superior while international assholes fly in private jets to make sure that they get to the Super Bowl on time and enjoy their their good time from their box seats away from the plebs. Oh, Stephanie, you know, I'm just joking. Pick on my just easy. That's rude. Ah, I would have used Greta Thunberg as an example of that. Mm -hmm. She goes to all of these environmental conferences, but yes. yet she's like, oh, yes, I took my private jet here. CC, Even all private jets. CC23 nails it, says, if we want to function in society, we need to support China. Thanks to the big corps and governments for sending manufacturing jobs there for cheap labor and cheap crap that needs replacement in five years. Well, if we had free markets here in the United States, then we would have lower prices and it would be easier to start jobs here. But because everybody wants to get paid a zillion gorillion dollars an hour here in the United States, we don't have an idea of what things should actually cost in order for us to be able to do uh, to be able to do business. Look at this list says, where can I buy a U.S. made phone? You can't buy a U.S. made phone and I can't there buy an American an American blank shoe to manufacture here in the United States either. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Horatius148 says, Nixon should have never made that deal with China. The U.S. created the modern China that now sees as a threat. I completely disagree. I think uh, it's probably better that we have better relations with China than worse relations with China. We don't want to go back to the Iron Curtain days where, you know, we, we didn't have relationship where everything that happened there was shadier. We're probably more effective at spying on China now just because of the relationships that we have. And we're able to get more information from them because we have better relations with them. So... There's always a double-edged sword when it comes to statism. Yeah, they could unleash much worse viruses than COVID on us if yeah, we didn't have yeah. better relations. No kidding. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe they would have done it even, you know, they, we, you know, we could have gone to war with China by now. Perhaps the real solution to it would have been to just allow General MacArthur to do what he said he was going to do. Uh, during the Korean War and, and not let Harry Truman pull him back from Nuke them all, right? <laughs> that would solve the problem. We can start fresh with our free market, our, our idealistic lifestyle. We just right? gotta we just gotta libertarians do. We just got a new order of shoes. Is it from China? China. <laughs> no, it's from, um, I don't think we can sell to China, actually. Maybe we should open up the uh, trade with China. We should open up Chinese our shop to China. Buy our items. There you shoes. go. There you go. They uh, get really quick next day shipping. No, they're Look from Cincinnati, Ohio. Just bought a pair of uh, Fuera sneakers. There we go. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to Justin Peterson here in about 10 minutes. We're looking forward to hearing from JP. It's Freedom Friday, uh, Freedom Family Friday which means that we will be hearing from my brother, Justin Peterson here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk to him about fun stuff as well. It's been a great conversation this morning about you know, economics. This rabbit hole. Well, I think it's a good conversation to have because people, uh, people are interested in China right now. They're interested in, in Javier Malay and free trade. And, you know, there's a difference between having political relations with China and um, market relations with China. And People confuse the two, I think, and so it's worthwhile well, it's making a distinction. Are so closely connected yeah. with the market. I think we have to have 
relation, political relations with China. We don't want to cut it off entirely. Oh, no. Because that would be bad. We're not isolationists, okay? That's just, that's not how we are. Interventionists. Right, which means that we want to trade and talk with them. We believe in the ideals of Frederick Bastiat, of the hero of liberty that we produced our mini documentary for today. We believe in these principles and we'll defend them. Uh, and if you do not agree with our principles of international free trade, no one's forcing you to watch the Wake Up America show or to buy from APForLibertyShop.com. At least we're transparent about that. So you're better off just living off grid, getting rid of all of your belongings, not wearing clothes. Speaking of international free trade, we just sold a pair of shoes to the Netherlands. Oh, nice. The Netherlands is cool. The Netherlands is very cool. Uh, the whole marijuana legalization before anyone else and the prostitute that's right. legalization. That's right. Uh-oh. I just wanted to go there back in the day because everything's legal over in the Netherlands. Yep, that's true. That's true. It's exciting to see so many people all over the, the world who are um, interested in the ideas of Javier Malay because it's not just about our cool shoes. I mean, these shoes carry a message with them, mm -hmm. right? To have Javier Malay shoes is to identify with the ideas, the ideas that we all share, economic freedom and personal liberty. I mean, it, it, it's an absolute miracle uh, that we were able to accomplish this. We were talking about this this morning and briefly last night about this small business, the Wake Up America show and the AP for Liberty shop. At last night when Javier Malay first shared it, there were like 400 people on our site mm -hmm. at one time. Yesterday was the, the single greatest sales day on APForLibertyShop.com in our history. Stable no, yeah. sales. I think that's what it was. And, you know, people used to get down on you when you were running for office for using bumper sticker slogans. Mm -hmm. But you know what? He uses those and yes. they work. Well, let's be honest. 99% of American libertarians are effing retards. They are idiots. They don't know a thing they, about marketing. And this is what we were talking about this morning. And I said, do you should bring up, oh, 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 why American libertarians aren't, don't appreciate what we're doing? Yes, I was saying to you, I was like, how is it that this one post is going viral in Argentina? It's on the news. But yet here in America, to get on the news, you have to do such amazing feats. Right. I mean, barely anybody wants to report on what we are doing here in America. Here's the thing. Why is because here's the thing. What what Americans like American libertarians, especially, they don't see what we're doing as exceptional. People in Argentina do. Right. Um, their standards are different. Their standards are different. But here's the thing. American libertarians, especially. And this is why they're so. Um, this is why our movement is so dysfunctional here in the United States. It's because we're spoiled. Mm -hmm. it's, it's because Argentina is going through hard times. The United States is going through soft times, right? So hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Mm -hmm. Good times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. American libertarianism is softer than baby poop and the reason we fail is because we are so spoiled here in the united states we don't suffer from 200 percent inflation we don't know what it means to have to to go to a grocery store and and bring stacks and wads of dollar bills yet although we're definitely on that path towards argentina your tactics we're all like our dollar's gonna collapse right you know we act like we're so afraid as yes. if we're in argentina but we are but not we, really? we are not we are spoiled we are fat we are lazy and this is this has contributed yeah. 
I believe in part to the the uh, the problematic, wrongheaded foreign policy of American libertarianism, right? Of of anarcho capitalism, which is in st- such stark contrast to the foreign policy of Argentina's Javier Malay, who is pro West, pro United States, pro uh, pro Israel, uh, and uh, anti Hamas and anti terrorist. If, you know, you'll, you'll as often on Twitter see American libertarians and right-wingers actually openly advocating and supporting in favor of Palestine and Hamas. Yes, right? advocating this morning, Javier, he posted some Hebrew letters. I actually have to translate those. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, Viva Libertad Carajo, like on his tweet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's very openly supporting Jewish people. Well, it's not just the Jewish people, but he's, su- he's supporting Israel in their conflict with violent uh, Islamic terrorism. Uh, and, and so there is a there is a moral bankruptcy to American libertarianism on foreign policy that is intellectually bankrupt, morally bankrupt, uh, and needs to be reformed. That's why these days I call myself a Javier Malay Republican. And with that comes not just his policies of free market economics, not just his policies of capitalism, but also his belief in a pro-West foreign policy. Not one that goes abroad seeking monsters to slay. Not a neoconservative foreign policy, despite what so many wrongheaded ANCAPs would claim. Because some anarcho-capitalists have said, Javier Malay is a neocon, and I'm a neocon. It is just the most, mm. it is the most banal form of anti-intellectualism. Because just because you think that you should have a strong national defense is not the same thing as saying, we need to go and reform other countries and nation build and pick fights and have bases in every country in the world. Thank it's not the same thing. That? Yes, uh, it, Javier is not saying that, but he does believe in a national defense. He does believe in, he's buying F-16 jets. Why, now, an anarcho-capitalist with F-16 jets, ask yourself if that isn't a person who has experienced hard times, if that isn't a person who's tired of Chinese fishing vessels, uh, having incursions into their territorial waters. It would be like getting mad at a person for having a big gun collection just in case. Yeah, for sure. It's the same thing. Why can't you do that? It's the same thing. All right, so we're going to have to switch topics. So I'm, Justin will probably want to talk about this, but we're going to bring him in here in a couple of minutes. Before we do, though, uh, everybody on the internet is laughing about this uh, video of a little girl singing the national anthem. Take a listen to this. I'd sing Brad's flat there a little flat i don't know whoever uh, listen i don't blame her uh but whoever did her wardrobe was fantastic her trap but whoever decided to put that girl up on stage and embarrass her for the rest of her life or justin peterson my brother who's a professional singer is going to talk to us about that we're also going to talk about a willy wonka display over in uh lud or in europe that uh, has caused a little bit of eyebrow raising. Parents very disappointed. It's a hilarious story. We'll talk about that. Talk about Javier Malay with my brother when we get back. 
on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Nice to see you here. Do me a favor, click that like button. If you've been enjoying this very intense economic discussion this morning, then do me a favor, subscribe to the channel. If you enjoy that kind of content, then you'll definitely enjoy the Monday through Friday regular show. Fridays are a little different. We call it Freedom Family Friday. That's when I bring my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wifey Stephanie on the show. She's joining us live right now. Hey, Stephanie. Hello. Soon I'll be a milf. You are. Well, you already are a mom, they say. That's right. The super pro-lifers love to remind me. Yeah. They're like, father, like I'm, I'm a, a father, mother. you're a mother. That's right, because you're already a mom with a baby in your belly. Yes. yes. But Freedom Family Friday means not just Austin Peterson, not just Steffi P. It also means baby P for liberty and another Peterson as well. We've got the Peterson Bonanza joining us live right now from Boston, Massachusetts, is my brother, Justin Peterson. Good morning, JP. Morning, I'm the OGP. <laughs> That's right. You did come first. That's right. I'm the first. I am the first. That's yeah. right. Justin Peterson, <laughs> Stephanie Peterson, Austin Peterson, Baby Peterson. We're all here together and we're glad to have you here joining us on the show. Justin's a regular on Fridays. We like to talk about all kinds of fun stuff, goofy stuff. Uh, Justin, I'm going to pull this up on the screen so the viewers can uh, see it here. But I played it just a moment ago. This young, uh, young lady singing the national anthem. Oh, now listen, Justin, I've heard some bad renditions of the National Anthem in my time, but that has to be one of the worst. What was your reaction to that little girl? What did you think when you saw that little girl do that? Well, this is what I do for a living. So, yes, um, yes. you know, the first thing that it, that it took me was this. She has a lot. I got props for that kid, man. You know why? Because <laughs> there are people, even people, some people that are good singers don't, are, don't have the guts to get up and sing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like so me. they can hold it to her and they still can't get up there and do that. So first of all, anybody, and she's in the arena. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we always talk about the man in the arena. It's like, she's out there. She's with the lions, man. She's doing it. And I'm like, you know what? You, you fought the good fight. You tried. But th as a teacher, I look at her and I go, you know what? I wish that all the students had that much energy and emotion and expression when they sang. Because mm -hmm. maybe the music wasn't so right on the money. But like her commitment to the, to the song was total, you know? She was totally committed to singing the song. And I'm like, you know, the voice stuff, you can kind of figure out. She can work that out. She can get a good teacher and she can, you know, she can, because she was around the pitch, but she wasn't like terribly off pitch. Like I've heard some. She's just flat, isn't she? Yeah. But I would tell everybody, go listen to Fergie sing the national anthem. Remember when Fergie sang the national anthem? And it was like, what is this about? So, I mean, I've, you know, there's been worse. Oh, Roseanne Barr. <laughs> Remember when Roseanne Barr sang the Remember National Anthem? Remember when mom got really upset about that, ah! Justin? Ah! She was, she was so mad. So Why? mad. What did Roseanne Barr do? Well, so she sang the National Anthem for some game and like grabbed her crotch and like, my, oh, oh, and mom was done. Mom was <laughs> done. Because so she, she was a Roseanne fan. Oh. Totally. Like, and she just, yes. Mom and I and you, I think we watched Roseanne like every time it was on TV in the 80s when it was on television. And then she did that and mom was like, well, I think the national anthem itself was bad here. I'm pulling it up right now so we can see it. 
Here's Roseanne, is when she grabbed her crotch and spit. And bars. Yeah, at the end. That's what really ticked him off there at the end, was she got up on there and sang the national anthem and did a terrible job, which that is forgivable. But then, and I've got it pulled up on the screen right now, there's Roseanne, and she grabs her crotch and spits, and that's what drove everybody like, oh. Because we were raised... We were raised 80s Christian, Justin, which means we had, we had less fun. We had less fun than Jesus. I mean, well, Jesus, we, we had water slides. That's Jesus, all I know. We, Justin, we had water slides. Yeah, Jesus had, was allowed to have more fun than we were as kids. But, um, you know, no rated R movies. Uh, we weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. No. Married no. with children. Married, married with, with children. children. We weren't allowed to watch no Married way. with Children. We had, no we had a down bad, bro. Sorry. And look how, how, how stunted it made our growth. But you know, it's funny, like to me, high as a child, though, it's like when people here, here, so here's what I will here will be my hot take about the national anthem in a nutshell. I'm really a particularly, oh gosh, I'm old school about it because I feel like the national anthem is our national hymn, right? So when people sort of go out there and they sing it and they self aggrandize and they do the, um, you know, the uh, Christina Aguilera and they do all the runs and they do, all, it's a, the show off the voice kind of situation with the song. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, the song isn't about you, <laughs> right? The song is about the words and the, it's a hymn, right? So I always, I don't like it when people over embellish the national anthem. I think it's really tasteless. Um, but oh, yeah, well, well, right now, I don't know if you, you probably can't hear this, Justin, but Stephanie actually sang the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, Years ago on yeah. YouTube. And we've got it pulled up on the screen right now. Here's Steffi. What so proudly we held At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight for the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets and glared of bombs bursting in gave proof through the night. How'd she do? I can't hear. She's doing great. She's doing great. <laughs> we're, she's still playing. All oh, where everybody's enjoying it. Hold on. That stars. That stars. Oh, go, Steffi. Grandma will be mad at you for that. Player ball. Grab your crotch, Steffi. Shut. Incredibly hard song to sing. Especially yes, acapella. I think I probably redid that video so many times. Thank God I didn't have to do it live, but so I had to practice a lot. We were raised to look at the national anthem do like like a hymn, as Justin said. So we treated it with extreme reverence. A including our grandmother Hazel, who, if we have a little girl, will be named after. And she will sing the Star Spangled Banner. Well, here's the thing. So uh, this is not just being me a critical; it's just me telling a story. But at the end of the national anthem, you went, but my grandma used to correct us because she was a music teacher, and she says it's not bad; it's 
banner yet wave correct yes and people who embellish it will go banner yet but that is wrong in there you could definitely hear me trying to make it a little bit of my style it i just i like to tell that story just because grandma was she was you know she'd get out the ruler and whack your hand like the nun like yeah A stickler for details. Yes, stickler for details. The reason why I give that little girl so many kudos is because I know people that have super amazing voices, but the moment they get to a choir competition, like their vocal cords just close. Like, this is what mine do. Mm -hmm. They close because I get nervous. And I don't sound anything like what I sound like in the shower. So it's just stage fright just gets you. Can I tell you what that's from? This mm. is going to be all so nerdy. Are you ready for some nerd yes. news? Out, nerd out. Get it. Well, it's because of the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve that runs from your brain all the way down through your body. The yes, vagus sir. nerve is the transmitter of emotion. So there are nerve endings in your throat. So that's one of the reasons why when people say they get choked up, they literally do get choked up. Like their throat literally closes up when they're in a fight or flight situation. Because mm-hmm. if you think about Darwinian evolution, we aren't really intended to you know, use our voices to survive in a sense. But like, it's like, okay, the body's shutting down to go to the vital organs, right? It's like everything else is going on autopilot. Oh but, it's, God, yeah. but it's one of the reasons why yelling for me is so interesting because like if you're ever on a, yo- a roller coaster or something or you're in a situation where you're like in a high distress moment, like just yelling feels so good. Like yeah. yelling can just be like a really great way to like get rid of that like feeling of, uh anxiety or ner- nervousness so mm-hmm. some niferum over in the rumble chat says ah yes the vagus nerve my favorite vagus nerve <laughs> the vagus. they talk about they talk about that a lot with anxiety because i really yeah. think mine is is overactive and so mm-hmm. i know there's different things you could do like some people say you're supposed to massage your neck to to relax it so yes. there's only you know what another thing for stage fright i've learned um, and then I learned this from a teacher at Juilliard. Um, listen to the sound of birds. There's something about nature sounds that mm-hmm. calm us down. So a lot of people now, instrumentalists and uh, singers, will play like nature sounds in their dressing rooms. Aww, so it like calms them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that idea. When I was in high school, um, I got to sing the national anthem at, to open up the Kansas City Royals game mm-hmm. uh, the, for the baseball game with Stephen Rue. And Aaron Lang, and I can't remember who our fourth accompanist was, but we sang it as a as a quartet. Mm-hmm. And to this day, that's always been my favorite version of the national anthem to sing it in harmony with with a four person quartet. And getting to sing that at the national anthem at, in high school that was just one of the greatest days of my life. That was a, a fantastic experience. You've been sweating. Oh, I mean, I was nervous for sure, for sure. But thankful it wasn't a solo. But yeah. but yeah, we got to open up the Kansas City Royals game with. Um, the the national anthem that was great so plus another thing too like about singing in stadiums is that you can't listen because you start making sound and then the sound starts echoing around the stadium (laughs) and it's like it's really hard to like focus on what it is you're singing because you get distracted by hearing this like really bad echo in the the that's why you'll see taylor swift they have an earpiece Mm -hmm. right when they're out on their doing their concert because uh the way that the arena set up it would throw off their timing so they wear those those headsets in order to have the music piped in so they stay on key and can sing it yep. properly. As a matter of fact, that's usually how you can tell if someone is actually singing and not lip syncing. 
They have that earpiece. If they've got that earpiece, right? Yep. So interesting yep. there. So good Britney stuff. Spears probably did not have that earpiece. I don't know. But anyways, uh, but. It's, it's a good conversation. And uh, I'm glad we could get off of the Javier Malay stuff for a couple of minutes because <laughs> I know people were tired of it. But Justin, I mean, uh, are you thrilled to see the reaction of Javier Malay? Like, uh, uh, he's like, he's my boyfriend now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, um, it's, it's strange times. <laughs> yeah. Strange times indeed. Like, the president of another country is retweeting you. I just think that's that's just he's like yeah. he's like actively doing it right now. Like like, like he's yeah. like up. I don't know what he's doing, and he's in his presidential limo going somewhere. But he's like he's like literally retweeting now. He's posting my sneakers last night. We had the single greatest one one day sales uh, in our history of the shop, um, and we now have it so that we can actually ship to Argentina, which we'd had this set up last night. But um, I feel like there's this huge mystery with the relationship between Austin and Javier because it's like they haven't directly talked yet personally okay. but it's like they very much know that each other exists so it's like who's gonna make this move here well he's busy and make this official connection and be like you rock dude like, yeah I love you yeah yeah exactly what are we yeah when are we gonna actually speak to one another directly yes when he was Here's at the CPAC, deal. was he like, looking for yeah. you? I don't know. Did he want to give you a hug at CPAC if you were there? I don't know. See, I have no clue. Somebody has told me that it's possible that he knew me from when I ran for president because he was apparently very interested in American politics at that time um, and may have been paying attention to the libertarian presidential primary. What were you going to say, Justin? No, I was just going to say, I remember the first time I was on, well, the old Twitter, right? And it was just starting out. It was just starting out. And I connected with Susie Orman. Like you remember the music, the, the uh, finance yes. lady. Yes. yes. And so like she and I had like this whole like DM conversation. Oh. And I just thought this is the best day of my life. A famous person is talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Clementine dropped $5 in the tip jar this morning and says, good morning and happy new year. Happy new year and happy Chinese new year. Yeah. I think it's the, is it the lunar new year? Was in February. I think that this way, I'm when they this is when they eat the moon pies. I'm pretty sure. Not pretty sure. It's the eclipse. Yeah, I'm not sure. But um, anyways, it's been a it, it's been an unbelievable you know few months, Justin, from Javier Malay's election to where we're at today. I mean, he has almost single handedly transformed what we're capable of doing with our shop because of how much attention he's given to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only is he transforming our business, but he's transforming the globe, like how the world sees Argentina. And we're hoping that he has incredible success. We're hoping to travel there this fall. We want to invest there. Um, you know, we, we had our, our next international travel trip was looking at Germany, but now we're thinking actually maybe we need to learn a little Spanish and go down to Buenos Aires and, you know, spend a little time down there and see what we can accomplish as part of our business to Argentina. Because now that their economy is turning around from socialism to capitalism, now might be a good time to invest. Oh, hey, I say go for it. It's just amazing to me, though, this whole the viral economy, right? <clears throat> that something can happen. It's like, boom, and it just explodes. Um, Donald Trump's shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we used to call it the Oprah effect, right? Like that one person yeah. that can just like put you over the edge. Like o Oprah used to be the kingmaker, right? So like she would say something and the like, 
somebody overnight would be like, I have a bakery in like Chicago. And then all of a sudden, like, I can't make, I can't keep, you know, muffins in my bakery because Oprah <laughs> told everyone about my bakery, you know? <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. get a muffin and you get a muffin. Exactly. It's like, wow, you know, the Oprah effect or something. Yeah, exactly. For, for sure. For sure. Well, it's really exciting. I mean, we had an exciting night last night. Obviously, we were featured in the news in Argentina. A journalist from Argentina contacted me this mm -hmm. morning. I've been corresponding with her back and forth, talking about what we're doing here. So um, it's very exciting. We're uh, we're hoping to um, we're hoping to build better relations with people from Argentina and uh, potentially do a little business down there. So, anyways, Viva la Libertad Carajo. Let's move on to the next topic, Justin. I've got the pictures pulled up on this on the screen. A viral Oompa Loompa claims actors haven't been paid for their work at a embarrassing Willy Wonka experience. Kirsty Patterson said she hopes everyone gets their money back after the disastrous experience at the Box Hub warehouse in Glasgow. So what is this story, Justin? And what are we looking at on the screen with these pictures of this shabby, shabby display? This is my favorite story of 2024. <laughs> so I know we're, we're at March today. Today's March 1st. But this, this story makes, delights me. So it appears that this guy named Billy Cool, Billy Cool, C-O-U-L-L, -L, I don't know if I'm saying that right. He has this website, which you can check out. It's called houseofilluminati.com, which oh, already no. red flags, right? Okay, yes. So if you go to the website, all the website is, is like this AI generated website, right? So he created, and back in December, he started to advertise this uh, Willy Wonka adventure, which is really more like Willa Wonky, you get me? Willa Wonky? Yeah. yeah so it, um, so he, everything was created on AI, like all of the uh, advertisement, everything. He even created like a 14-page script on AI and gave it to these actors. And it was like, okay, he's like, just like improvise, just improvise. Um and what cracks me up is like the headline over this is like Willy Wonka event leaves kids in tears. And I'm like, yeah, that's literally the plot of Charlie and the Chocolates Factory. <laughs> so it just, it just, you know, it's like, it's, it's peak, it's peak 2024. You have this, you know, empty abandoned warehouse filled with organic esoteric horror, you know, and it's just, it's just priceless. And I just have to say this. I feel like if they reopened now, they would make so much money oh, because sure. people would because people would be like, I have to check it out. I got to go see this this mess, this dingy mess of like crappy displays randomly sparsed out in this warehouse or oh. like abandoned mall. Do you know what the oh, factory with the gate reminds me of? What? A concentration camp. Oh, yeah. It would literally you... looks like one. Be it mocked free. Yeah. <laughs> it was getting flashbacks. Yes. Gork shall set you free. Yeah. The, uh, the, the um, advertisements, though, uh, the, the misspellings were all over the place. Like, the um, they said, Enchantering Entertainment, Catagating Live Performances, Carchy Tons, Exardinary Lollipops, and uh, Pasadice of Sweet Teats. AI did that. They misspelled all that. Now, here's the thing, Justin. It cost $45 a person to see this yes. event. So, well, I mean, it wasn't cheap. No. And what was hilarious is they called the cops. <laughs> they called what? the what? cops. Because <laughs> they were just like, I think they were so incensed that they, <laughs> they 
they were being oh, like they wanted their money back, so they called bamboozled. Oh my god! Yeah, they could like, because so look, if you, I pulled it up on the screen right now. I've got House of Illuminati pulled up. So he's advertising his experiences here, uh, and it, you know, avant-garde art. It's all obviously artificial intelligence right. uh, created. And but then when we look, when we see what was advertised, and then I go back over to it, it's just like, you know, I mean. These displays, like if they were part of like a larger display that, you know, it might work. But I mean, it's just literally just a random mushroom sitting out in the middle of a concrete warehouse. There's nothing else. Do you know what this reminds me of? The documentary that we watched about Banksy. Oh, Banksy. exit through the gift shop. Yeah. yeah. Basically, this person like had no artistic skill at all. Mm-hmm. And they could have like put like a line across the, the canvas and people would pay millions of dollars for this. Actors are all uh, upset. They're hired for a fire festival-esque Willy Wonka experience disaster. He says he felt scammed. It was an absolute mess. Uh, an actor hired to work that says his feels like his golden ticket was a scam. Paul Connell, who played the part of Wonka at Willie's Chocolate Experience, says it was one of the most embarrassing things she's ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Promised guests a journey filled with wondrous creations and enchanting surprises, but instead ended with kids in tears and furious parents. They were led to a dirty, near-empty warehouse described as a health and safety nightmare with a printed AI background, a sad, bouncy castle, and lackluster props. And also, no. there was there was virtually no candy. They said that the ma- the thing that made him the angriest was that there was no chocolate. Yeah, give them kids no. candy; they'd be fine. Yeah, no, 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 no. Here's the thing that's hilarious to me: you have they had a lemonade room where they were giving kids lemonade, like the three fourths a cup of lemonade. I mean, that's kind of yummy. But my like favorite, my favorite is the Oompa Loompa in the green wig who looks like she's at a meth counter, like making crystal meth and like passing out jelly. It's literally, it's perfect. It's just literally, I got to find that, but I love it. I've got the picture pulled up right now of like the Willy Wonka-esque scene that's on like a flag that's just pushed up against the wall. It's like literally just like a picture on the wall of like a candy house. Um, And then there's like tubes. No, there was virtually no candy. They say, oh, here we go. We've got the picture now. Uh, Connell claims he was told to give kids one single jelly bean each. Oh, no. And a quarter glass of lemonade upon arrival. That one bean. That's a small budget right there. One bean. One jelly bean and a quarter glass of lemonade. Probably did not import their jelly beans from China. See? That's why they could only give one. Okay, get this. So people were furious. They were shouting. Things got a little out of control. People were filming on their phones. There were things being broken. I mean, this sounds like the Willy Wonka experience, honestly. Eventually, Connell, the actor who played Wonka, was told to hide. People were forced forced to break up angry crowds of visitors who were expressing their frustration. Um, oh my God, this is funny. The whole thing was disrespectful to the families and us as promising actors. They hope that they get the refunds that they deserve. Oh God, I'm going to pass out. It's like this did exactly what it should have done. People, I feel for anyone who bought tickets to this event, people who were expecting a magical chocolate experience and got me in a top hat in a dirty warehouse in Glasgow, people who wanted Tim, Timothy Chalamet and got Timothy Charlatan. <laughs> No, 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 no. What? That's that. 
Oh, my God. Oh, my boy. But, oh the whole, but the whole thing was done with AI. I think the guy went in and yeah. just said, give me an idea, come up with a script, give, here's my budget, yada, yada, yada. And everything was done. The plan was done on AI. And here's what's even more funny to me. I mean, icing on the cake. Forever. The guy's apology, this guy's apology was also, you can clearly tell it was written by AI. He wrote the apology is, with AI. No. Yeah. <laughs> But AI, who I apologize to a group of people who are upset at me. I've got a 45 second clip here. I want to play the uh, one of the actors who was one of the Oompa Loompas. Let's watch. The night before, right? Um, I remember on the Friday when I went, um, it looks like that. <laughs> like an empty rubbish warehouse with nothing in it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, going, this, surely they must have people working throughout the night this to be better with lights and everything like that but um it's just because people were told it was going to be the magical experience which we've seen in the movies we've had in our imaginations from the books you know and and there isn't even an attempt to cover the sort of ceiling is there which must have worried you how did i describe it it was tablecloths and a bunch of low <laughs> ikea mirrors how can I explain this? It was tablecloths in a little so IKEA mirror. Couldn't even understand her. I mean, she, the children were so frightened they couldn't yeah. even understand her she's language. Good. No, that's they're, they're all they're all from from Scotland. So I mean, they're all speaking. You know, they all can understand it. But the uh, Oompa Loompa actor, uh, yeah, she didn't look anything like an Oompa Loompa. Oh wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Here's one, Steffi. This one looks like an Oompa Loompa. Uh, yes, there we go. Seven-year-old Elliot. Dressed up as an Oompa Loompa for Willie's chocolate experience. He actually looks like one of the the, the Oompa Loompas. We'll give him a brief And this? They use children as Oompa Loompas. One child. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good one. Yes, you guys. Yeah. Child labor. Yeah, child labor. That would have been the best part of the of the whole experience right there. Yes. Oh, man. Oh. All right. Well, what are the lessons to be learned from this? Um... Caveat emptor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> kidding. Quality doesn't always matter, y'all. Well, but here's the thing. You market your product. It's true. Well, that's that true. Yes and no, actually, because here's the thing. It, it, they marketed it very well, mm -hmm. but the execution bit them in the ass. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have to pull it off. It's just like with our shop. Like Urz Mommy said yesterday, we were talking about this. She's, she's loved everything that she has bought from APforLibertyShop.com. We actually do provide good quality services. You can scam people once and yeah. pull this off, but then once people find out that you're pulling a, that you're pulling a scheme, it's going to be a lot harder to do. But who knows? If you're trying, There's really bad reviews, and now it's doomed, and yes. he's never able to do it again. Right. If, if, well, he may be able to do it again if he just clearly runs it as the scam that it is, and if he just opens it back up and everybody wants to go see the whole scam for what it is. So you, you could do it once, and then twice if you're lucky, because it becomes a viral sensation, which is what it is. So. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. I also think like, you know, I don't remember Sam Altman, you know, who is what the CEO of, uh, Chad yeah. uh, ChatGPT, yes. <clears throat> you know, he came out, what is it a week ago or a couple weeks ago talking about the rise of a billion dollar solo enterprise, right? This idea that one person because of AI is going to someday be able to build a billion dollar empire just yes. on their own, like without any other workers or without anything else, just yeah. using AI. So I feel like the tech bros, right? 
this is one of those sort of tech bro things where it's like, oh, let's see if we can get our, you know, million dollar idea off the ground. So, uh, but you know, when you see things that are misspelled, uh, you know, if you, you, you're feeling like, you know what, why is this misspelled? Uh, you know, just check on it, you know, check it out. Without artificial intelligence, there's no way we just, Steffi and I could accomplish even a quarter of the things we've done in the last year. Uh, in a children's book as quickly as we did. We couldn't have written a children's book. We couldn't have produced, um, uh, uh, most of the t-shirts that we've produced. We couldn't have produced most of the content that we've been able to create. Uh, the, the Heroes of Liberty bonus series, like I wouldn't have been able to create that beautiful little mini documentary about Frederick Bastiat. Mm -hmm. Without artificial intelligence, it, there's a revolution happening every day. Justin, you're now starting to use it, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I find that it's really amazing for graphics for my writing that I do. So I write a lot about vocal pedagogy and the teaching of singing, because that's my sort of mm -hmm. world that I inhabit. Um, and it for me, it just makes things look nice, you know, and it gives me, or it can give me ideas, or it can give me suggestions about things. Um, I can put my writing through uh, the AI generator and say, you know, does this read okay? Is the grammar in this okay? You know, and it'll offer me suggestions about things like that. So it's been really, for me, very valuable as a writer to get feedback uh, on my writing and to help me. So, yeah, I think it's great. And even in the therapy world, I mean, one of the platforms I work for, for telehealth, they're now going to use AI so that it'll monitor your messages that you send with your clients and it'll write your progress note for you. Oh, wow. and I mean, that is going to be such a time saver. I cannot even tell you how long notes usually take therapists, but it's going to help so much. Well, we've got another. Check this out. <clears throat> go ahead, Justin. No, go ahead. No, check this out. I was re I'm reading this book right now called, uh, it's by the Gottman Institute and they do relationship counseling. Yes. And they now have AI centered uh, filming technology that they can observe a couple in, in just in conversation and they can monitor for things like heart rate, they can monitor for gestures, they can monitor for uh, conflict so that the AI can actually do better to, to, to watch the couple uh, in their, uh, almost better than a therapist could do, right? right? So the, the AI can give feedback on, on the couple's conflicts and everything. And they can tell you That's at awesome. what point in the conversation the 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 conversation went off the rails. So like that's, that's cool. crazy. Mm. That's fascinating stuff. Um, you know, Justin, I want to keep the conversation on the rails, but I'd like to pivot to another topic this morning that you shared with me yesterday. Um, speaking about um, <clears throat> the British Isles, uh, I'm reading this story from the BBC uh, about a West End production of what's called a slave or the slave play. That's the title uh, that plans to host some some shows for black audiences only and it's been criticized by none other, none other than downing street as quote wrong and divisive what is this story justin so um playwright jeremy o harris uh, harris wrote a play called uh slave play and they're going to be doing it in the west end in london and apparently they wanted to do uh this idea of a blackout night right which is usually in theater when they say blackout what that means is like all the lights go off on stage like everything is goes to black so <clears throat> but they're sort of using it as a double entendre here to mean like uh, an audience night now this is where it gets funny to me an audience of only black uh people but not just black people black identifying because that was the language that they used right so mm. what would, would does that mean rachel dolezal can come in and and be a part of this audience Mm -hmm. So, uh, it makes no sense. Um, I don't know if anybody knows the story about what happened at Evergreen State University with Brett Weinstein, where no. they used to have this day of absence 
So all of the black students on campus would exempt themselves from classes for like a day to sort of send a message to say, hey, you know, we're here, but now we're not. And so we want you to know, you know, how valuable we are to the community of the college. Well, one year it changed and the black students said, no, we're going to stay and we want all the white people to go away. So that changed the whole dynamic of that particular situation. Oh and Brett gosh. Weinstein was like, as a Jewish person, I don't like uh, being, you know, I don't like events where groups of people are being told to stay away. It's one thing if a group of people elects to, to absent themselves of their own free will, but it's another thing to tell people, you can't come to this. Now, for, and, then the, and then I recommend that people follow that evergreen story if you want to see how all that ended out. It did not end well. It did not end well at all. Um, so this whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, segregationism, you know, this is how you know people are ideologically possessed mm -hmm. when they're able to justify the most egregiously offensive views that, you know, the rest of us go, what are you, this is disgusting. We're not going back to the days of segregationism. We're not going to go back to do this again. Um, also, I think it's very paternalistic in terms of like this sort of soft bigotry of low expectations, because the whole thing was sort of told about or was set up in a sense that they said, we want to avoid the white gaze. Right. So we want to watch a play about sleep. Right, not gays. Right, not, not gays. <laughs> <laughs> the white gays. Come on, you guys. Gays. We're going to Cabo Here, for the complex weekend. issue to the situation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, that the idea that that black people can't watch a, a play about slavery with white people in the audience because apparently white people are going to look at the black people and go, "Oh, are they okay?" So it's this idea that. You know, again, low expectations that black people are so weak, they can't even sit in an audience with white people to like, you know, hear a story. Um, I just, and imagine if you're a biracial yeah. couple, like what happens mm -hmm. if you're a biracial couple? Think about this. Like, you know, you're going to go see a play with your spouse or your, your wife, your husband. And it's like, oh honey, sorry, I can't go in because my, because I'm white. It's like, that is really, is that what, this is supposed to be progressivism? This is absolutely 1950s segregated water fountains again, bullcrap. Yeah. Or what about mixed kids that have a black dad and a white mom? I mean, I guess they're identifying as black. I guess they so. Have darker skin. Split, split the baby. Right. But here's the thing that gets me. This is a uniquely American poison, right? This is in the UK. This is London. They don't right. have the history that we do in the country, you know, with uh, slavery and all no. that kind of stuff. Uh, not a, not even remotely. They got rid of it way before we did mm -hmm. slavery. Um, the author of this play, Jeremy O'Harris, he said he learned these ideas in his graduate school program. Where did he go to graduate school? Yale. Mm. So that makes total sense that these uh, disgusting anti-racism ideas are getting poisoned throughout the rest of the world especially in places where they don't exist. Like when George Floyd thing was happening, Please, hands up, don't shoot, right? That whole thing in the summer of 2020. And then you see people in London protesting. I'm like, but Britain hasn't had that history. That's not part of their history. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we associate a segregationism with things like Jim Crow or apartheid South Africa. Mm -hmm. And now you want to do it in a, play, in a, in a theater in, in London. I mean, it's just really grossly offensive. We have to pause for a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Stephanie, uh, we just made our very first sale to Argentina. It worked. Curious how much the shipping is to Argentina. That'll be something we got to find out. 
Well, as we had expected, it looks as if they got that worldwide flat rate for free, which is... Free shipping! It's fine. Congratulations, you got the free shipping. We're supposed to charge for international shipping, but Oops. that's okay. You know, we're glad to be able to sell to Argentina. We'll get that fixed a little bit later, but you know what? We're happy that we sold our very first product to Argentina. We're so helping they, the economy. We're helping the economy yeah. in Argentina. Well, we're grateful to see that um, little bit of news. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. If it's your first time here, make sure that you subscribe so you won't forget who we are. My lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson, is joining us in studio. Steffi P. Hello. And my brother, Justin Peterson, is joining us down there. You can see him in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. That's JP, Justin Peterson or as he calls it, the OGP, JP. Glad to have Justin here. Mm. We're talking about a stage play in London that is attempting to exclude white people from its audiences, and we're going to try and uh, and get to the, to the bottom of the mentality here of this. What I think is fascinating, Justin, is that there is actually a pushback from this, not just from conservatives and right-wingers, but from Downing Street. Mm-hmm. I really do feel like we've reached a pinnacle point with all of this stuff that people are finally just sort of saying, no, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. And even it's amazing to me because I have a lot of friends in New York City and I have a lot of friends of color. And it's been a fascinating uh, experience for me to talk to them about these things. Of course, you kind of have to open the door very softly to sort of parse out, you know, how are they going to, how is my friend going to respond? You know, is it, you know, but it's amazing that all, so many people, if you just talk to people, they'll say, yeah, this is all bullshit. Like, this is all a bunch of crap. And um, I, think, I think we've reached the pinnacle. I think, you know, everybody's starting to see the emperor has no clothes. I'm, at least I'm hoping that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not liberalism, by the way. This is not liberalism. This is illiberalism uh, disguised as progressivism. It's not. It's nothing of the sort. Segregation is anti-liberal. It is anti-liberal. Uh, so it makes Justin, me really angry. Justin, we've got a lot of people who are tuning into the Wake Up America show who have just kind of become recent fans. We've got uh, Bama Vet in the chat, CC23, Bob of Atlantis, um, <clears throat> Bruce Burt Whistle, Lisa, Lisa Wilder, uh, and they are not as familiar with you and sort of your... Um, sort of your ideological journey in recent years uh as the people who've been watching for a while we kind of take it we kind of take for granted that people know who we are and and where we come from and what our beliefs are but if you wouldn't mind justin would you give us the reader's digest version of sort of how you have had an ideological revolution to an extent over the last few years even if in some ways you've really just been standing still yeah i would say really quickly um I grew up in the middle of America. I grew up with a, in a family that venerated the United States of America and loved our country. Uh, and we did the Pledge of Allegiance every day. We, uh, we, went, we celebrated the 4th of July. We loved our country. And then I went to, to school and I went to college in a, in a small Iowa town and I didn't have any of this stuff that colleges are doing now, right? I was actually probably the, one of the, you and I probably were the last generation of people who were truly trained in a liberal arts education, right? A broad scope of the canon of Western accumulated knowledge. And of course, being in the arts, which I was, the arts tends to skew more left. That's, I don't think it goes to come as a surprise to anybody. And so, of course, I was part of that uh, culture and always was like, yeah, this is kind of where I belong. And I always was sort of denigrating, you know, fundamentalist Christian, whatever beliefs and 
Republicanism to me was anathema, of course. Even from the time I was in graduate school, I was like, oh my God, Republicans are the worst. Um, and I would say the thing that started to get me and started to change me was several things. One is the lying about history, right? Because as a person who loves history, I saw the left starting to lie a lot about history, especially people that were on my quote unquote team. And so they would lie about things like gay, gay rights or gay history, right? So they'd lie about Stonewall or they'd lie about different things. And I'm like, these are lies. Y'all are, y'all are telling lies. And so that was my first thing. The next thing was this. Once I saw the game, the exposure of the game in 2020, which was with the George Floyd thing where, you know, we have a pandemic, but everybody can go out in public and protest, right? That was when the scale started to fall from my eyes. I was like, something's going on here. And then in the social media sphere where people were taking to show their advocacy and then they were getting clapped back and they were getting scolded because they didn't advocate in the right way. I suddenly said to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're being played. You are being played to the, to the, to the wall because nothing you ever do is going to be good enough. No matter what you do, no matter what advocacy you say, no matter how you do, it's never good enough for you. It's never, never good enough. And I'll tell you, here's a recent example. This dude that just burned himself alive in front of the embassy last week, all of these people that were coming out saying, oh, he's white, he's this, he's that, he's white, he's that. These people were on ideologically on the same side. But because he was white, it was, oh, I don't want to hear about this white guy doing this exact thing. I was like, it's never good enough. Even if you burn, burn yourself, yourself alive. alive, it is not good enough. And I was like, I am done. I am not playing games anymore with this bullcrap. And that really came into stark contrast a couple weeks ago with that guy. I was like, here again is another example that you will be used. You will be a useful idiot to their ideological belief system until such a time as you will end up in a ditch in a gulag somewhere because you fomented the revolution. And that's the whole thing. And I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not playing this game anymore. I'm out. So that hopefully is the Reader's Digest of how I got to this point. Mm. Mm. That's a good story. And, and good for you. I, I cannot make common cause with the left who hates me because of my immutable traits. I, yeah. cannot, I cannot change who I am or my, my upbringing. Uh, there, there are, these are circumstances outside of my control. I, I agreed with Martin Luther King when he said that I want... He dreams of a day that people can be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. The left is not uh, uh, adhering to the ideology, the views of Martin Luther King Jr. We, you, not we, I, we, for a brief period, it felt as if there was something of a more neutral, colorblind society. When we were growing up in the small town in the Midwest, was there still uh, elements of racism? Sure. Um, were those the fringes of our society? Absolutely. It was not the mainstream of society in peculiar Missouri or Raymore, Missouri, when we were growing up. Those weren't the kind of people that you and I hung around with. We hung our, even though we weren't, you know, an upper caste or, uh, you know, of upper part of society, right? We were just regular, you know, middle-class farm boys, but we were taught the difference of right and wrong and how to, how to, how to make friends with the type of people that you want to be, right? To, to, to surround yourself with good people in order to inspire you to be a better person. I mean, I often like to point to my groomsmen as a good example of, of the type of friends that I have of, of, of placing myself in people that are 
way smarter than I am, uh, or just better people in general. Stephanie was when she got to meet everybody and everybody at the wedding got to meet Vince and Mark and Joe, all of these, these groomsmen that were my, my closest friends are these in Vince is a rocket scientist patent attorney. Mark is an incredibly successful video producer for one of the most highly thought of libertarian law institutions in Washington, DC. And, and, and Joe Trotter is a wealthy dilettante <laughs> uh, who travels everywhere and down um, to earth and so kind, but they're all, but they're all far more interesting than I am to an extent, right? And so much more brilliant than I am because I wanted to always wanted to surround myself with people who are better than I am in order to take an example for that, right? You are the sum, you are the average of the people that you surround yourself with. Yes. Uh, and the left is scum. They are scum. And I have been, I have, I've spent enough time in the ghetto in New York City and in the streets and been to enough, been to enough leftist rallies and anarchist rallies and been to enough parades of the malcontent, of the malcontented uh, in my career in politics uh, enough to know that these are the, these are not just low class because of their upbringing or their immutable traits. These people choose to be low. They choose to be dirty. They choose to be hateful and to surround themselves with filth and drugs and to live licentiously and, and, to, and to be willing to use the force and violence of government to force everyone else to live according to their lifestyles and their principles. These socialists, communists, Antifa, uh, these, the, the, they are the enemies of civilization. So of I'm course they're the enemies of the West. The whole idea of revolution is that you must demoralize the populace because the only way you're going to foment a socialist communist revolution is if everyone is in misery and abject misery, because they'll all say, well, give us communism because at least communism will be better than this. So the idea to, to, to destroy the spirit, to destroy the, the, the love of country, that is all in the programming. Look at Marx. Look at how Marx lived. He didn't even take baths and he lived off of the, the generosity of his own friends. I mean, this is a man whose whole life was mooching off of other people. Like he was, and you know, he was a disgusting, he was a father and he couldn't even be a good father, right? A disgusting human being, vile, disgusting human being. Uh, and so the whole idea of the demoralization of our culture is hardwired to help us all be so unhappy that we'll all be clamoring for the, the communist solution. Oh, what's the solution to our problems? It's got to be communism. So, uh, you know, it's there. It, everything is intentional. You know, nothing is unintentional. Everything is intentional. But I'll come back to your point earlier about growing up in peculiar. The other thing, too, is this. The idea of, of our growing up in a Christian culture, and I'm just going to say it, Christianity as a culture values the inherent worth of all human beings. The faith system of Christianity sees all human beings as the children of God. So you don't live in this sort of, if you're truly in, in, in this centered Christ belief system, you're not looking at other people as less than, greater than, than you. You realize all people are equal in Jesus, right? That's the idea of Christianity. And that's what we grew up in as well. So that type of formula, uh, a formula of our development in our character to look at other human beings as equals. Now, that's also enshrined in our documents, right? Uh, our founding documents. But 
that has an effect on how you look at other human beings as well. You know, the idea of this segregationist idea is that some people are better than others. White people have privilege, right? So the idea is white people are better. The inherent disgusting grossness about this anti-racism stuff is that it basically puts black people down. It says, you are for us. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You can't get an ID. You don't know how to work a computer. You poor black people. You know, it's disgusting. It's I, saw this, disgusting. I saw this meme the other day, and it was like the pitchfork meme where like the person is speaking to the angry crowd with pitchforks, and he's shouting, black people aren't smart enough. And they're all angry, and they're ready to burn him down. And he goes... To be able to figure out how to get a photo ID to vote. And they're all like, oh, yes, yes, they are. Right. That's right. It's they're disgusting. Not, they're not smart enough to figure out how to get a, a photo ID to be able to vote. Yes, that is the ideology of the left. But I love that we I love that we've been talking about Ray Moore Peculiar and growing up in our small town, uh, you know, including singing the national anthem at the, the Royals game with Stephen Rue, because Stephen Rue is in the chat. <laughs> no way. Here he was there the other day. Well, he got turned on, I think, to the show because uh, we had a, a buddy of his on uh, music teacher from Lee Summit, if you remember. Yes, you remember. Yeah, who yeah. talking about the, these things, talking about these cool. topics. Yeah, it's um, sometimes false. It sure does. It sure does. Um, yeah, it, you know, we were really were raised in a very ideal scenario, Justin. It's not to say that people who are raised in New York City are going to inherently, or these big cities are inherently going to you know, uh, suffer and not be able to you know, look at things the same way as we do, because we have Quest Fanning, who lives in New York, and, you know, but uh, there are very few libertarians in New York City, of course, but mm. there is something of an individualist mindset that is inherent to this upbringing that you and I had on Stonegate Farm, but without the ability to just simply walk over to our neighbor's house or our friend's house and turn on cable TV and watch Nickelodeon, like, we were somewhat divorced from culture, so we created our own little insular, isolated culture at Stonegate Farm. Our culture was Donna Joe Peterson, John D. Peterson, Justin Peterson, Austin Peterson, and Jody Peterson. Your, what, what, our, what our grandparents and the friends that we did have, you know, gave to us was our own little culture. It was highly individualist, right? We, our lives, Justin, were what we made them, not what um, this oppressive culture just outside the door packed eight million strong on an island was impressing upon us, but it, just, Stephanie had never seen Choose Your Own Adventure books, so I was showing her what they were the other day and talking about, you know, the games that you and I played in our room together, creating our own world, what you taught me, learning how to read as a small boy, going to Raymore Peculiar, uh, Raymore Elementary School, and these small towns. Conservatism and libertarianism thrives in the United States, in the red states, and out amongst the fields and the streams and the valleys. Uh, in the United States. And if we lose liberty here, if we lose it, if, it, if we allow this wokeism to infect our public education systems in places like RAPEC, then they will destroy our culture and it will come from the arts. It will infect us through the, through the, the classical education, the liberal education that we're used to, and it will spread from the arts into our sports and into the, you know, the, the classic bastions of conservatism, football, baseball, you know, transgender in sports, and and uh, until eventually everything is swallowed by this evil ideology. Yeah, because it's totalizing. That's what totalitarianism is, right? Totalitarianism is a totalizing belief system, and everybody has to go along. The funny thing about totalitarianism to me is, though, it's all built on a lie. 
And so everybody has to be complicit in the lie. And so what we have to start doing is stop lying, right? Stop. Don't be, this is what Alexander Solzhenitsyn talks about in his essay, Live Not By Lies, which I suggest everybody read, uh, to stop living by lies. Do not allow yourself to be taken in by lies and liars who tell you things that there's a Willy Wonka event that's going to be great. You're going to say, no, it's not true. <laughs> oh, don't stop it. being party to lies. Jeez. It's yeah. amazing that we all can find libertarianism coming from different paths in our lives. I mean, I was not a sheltered child. I grew up, you know, watching television, you know, all sorts of adult, you know, films, American Pie, things like that. You know, I was on the Internet at a young age. So it's like I grew up that way and I was in a very diverse group of people at school because I, I grew up in a suburb of Detroit. So, I mean, for me, I I had all those experiences, but I still ended up with libertarianism in the end. We're running out of time, Justin. It's the end of the show. It's been a fantastic discussion as usual. Freedom Family Friday, so much fun. We love you, brother. He's love you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience or plug before we let you go? Well, uh, I, I'm on X, but not very much. So it's not, a, it's not you know, don't look for me there. Uh, the most exciting thing I do right now is I'm writing for Substack. I have a Substack that I run on vocal pedagogy, which is basically how to teach singing. It's a very niche thing. So if that's of interest, it's justinpeterson.substack.com. I have a new article coming out here in about, what, four or five minutes on the uh, role of science in training singing and why we should not do that particularly. So, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Love you, brother. We'll definitely get that sub stack. Tolly was asking the question, what was that name again? I'd like to read that. Did you cite like a book? Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yes. He, was, he wrote the Gulag Arch Archipelago. Archipelago. He wrote an essay. It's called Live Not By Lies. That is the name of the essay. Live Not By Lies by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, the book or a Gulag Archipelago is definitely one of those must reads for any libertarian out there. Check it out for sure. Justin, we love you. Uh, have a wonderful yeah. day. We'll, we'll see you next Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Didn't Justin do a great job? Everybody give him applause. He just has so much knowledge to share. It's, it's always impressive to listen to him. Yep, certainly. We're grateful for all of our listeners tuning in this morning. Make sure you click like. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. And I think it today is going to be the day you're going to go to apforlibertyshop.com and buy some Javier uh, Malay shoes. I mean, you got to see what all this uh, stuff is about online. You got to visit our website. We are, we're adding more Afuera merchandise. So I just added a pillow last night. I added a necklace last night. It's all Afuera themed. We're going to be adding more this weekend as well. So go to apforlibertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, apforlibertyshop.com. Dot com. We appreciate that. Stephanie, do you want to sing the national anthem? No. Okay. <laughs> My voice is still actually raspy from COVID, so I I would need to probably do some inhaler treatments and drink lots of water. It's okay, Steph. We appreciate that. We also appreciate Tolly1982, CC23, Bitchmobile, Robbie Theremin, Quest Fanning, Horatius148, Bruce Vertwistle, Matt Unruh, Joni Rankin, Blue Trike, Look It's Liz, Levin214, Mighty Megatron, Bob of Atlantis. All these new names. I love to see Alicia Wilder. Uh, I think we got Ruby. Steven Rue. What's up, Steven? Blue Trike as awesome. well. Glad to see you guys here. Will we see you on Monday? I hope so. 
Maybe. Steffi next Friday. Steffi, Steffi, two balls. Two more weeks, and you all will find out the gender on my birthday, March 15th. That's right. Come back on March 15th to find out the gender of the baby. And we'll see you guys on Monday on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Oh, be free. Can you still hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Be free.